0: iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight, and Lord, what a wonderful, wonderful example we have given to us in Scripture here in Hosea. I pray in the brief time that we have, you'd help us to present what you've given and the burden that you've given behind it. I pray you'd open our hearts tonight to be able to receive it, and that Lord, your Holy Spirit would speak well beyond my words, Lord, that it might uh, pierce deep within our heart, and that we might be changed by it. I pray, regardless of what change you desire to bring, Lord, I pray we would desire you to work, even if that means changing us to be more like Christ. And we'd submit to that even now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's very obvious tonight to look down at verse number twelve, verse thirteen, and get an idea of what we're going to be preaching on here. As we look at things that God says we need to do for ourselves. Now, when you read the book of Hosea, it's obvious to be able to read that entire theme of verse 12 of sowing and reaping. Uh, God is challenging them as he's challenging us through his word that he's preserved for us to be conscious of this thought of sowing and reaping. It's a very real truth that we will reap what we sow, therefore we better be careful what we sow. Amen? Uh, And you know very well if you've planted a garden that you always reap far more than you sowed. Uh, What's amazing is as we look at this series of things we do for ourselves, really there aren't many principles in Scripture that show us directly and how to directly influence our lives really more than reaping and sowing. There's a lot of things that we've looked at so far that God says, I want you to do this for yourself, but really this area of sowing and reaping directly impacts yourself because what you sow, you are going to reap. Sowing is literally an opportunity to be a blessing to yourself. Think about that. We say a lot to people, bless you when someone sneezes, bless you, and we say, bless your heart, but being obedient to the word of God and living according to what thus saith the Lord, it's an opportunity to bless yourself, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad gave me the opportunity to rake the yard, okay? Uh, he said, son, I want you to rake out under the pin oak uh, tree or the live oak trees we had in front of our house. All of those leaves had fallen to the ground, and he asked me to rake it up nicely, okay? Uh, now, I was going to have to do it either way, but he asked nicely to do that, and I appreciated him doing that. Uh, and uh, I remember I got sidetracked. and I don't know what I got sidetracked doing, but I didn't get the leaves raked, and so when dad comes home, the leaves are not raked, and he says, all right, I'm going to give you a choice. Uh, you can take a spanking, or you can go rake the leaves. Now, the Lord is my witness. I honestly thought that by taking the spanking, I was doing the right thing, that I would say, okay, I've done wrong, I deserve the spanking, so I'm going to show mine integrity by saying, I want the punishment that's coming to me. I thought I was doing right. I chose wrong. I chose wrong. I I think I got the spanking and I raked the leaves, you know. I thought it was his responsibility to punish me and therefore I wasn't going to try to get out of my punishment and so I chose the spanking and I ended up having to rake the leaves. Now, my outcome was directly dependent upon the choice I made. He gave me the opportunity to choose the outcome that I was going to have to live with and obviously I chose unwisely on that one. Now, when we read the word of God concerning reaping and sowing or sowing and reaping in the correct order, God is giving us the opportunity to choose the outcomes that we're going to live with. By the way, what a loving and gracious God that he gives us the choice in the matter. God didn't create robots. In the Garden of Eden, he gave us the ability of having independent thought where he allows us to choose whether or not we're going to worship him and we choose the outcomes that come along with that. And tonight we're going to learn here in the book of Hosea why it's so important that we learn to do what verse 12 says. Watch what it says, to sow to yourselves. Sow to yourselves. Do you know your usefulness to God or your uselessness to God is going to be a direct result of whether you decide and what you decide to sow to yourselves? We think that God chooses favorites, don't we? We all have that in us when somebody has an opportunity that we don't have that God's playing favorites. And yet the word of God says God's no respecter of persons. Well, they were just born into that family and so therefore God likes their family more. No, he's no respecter of persons. So much of our life and the outcomes of our life, I believe with all of my heart, the word of God proves out, is a direct result of sowing and reaping. God gives us the opportunity to influence a lot of the outcomes that we have to live with. Think about it this way. Every decision leads to what? An action. And every action leads to a consequence. And those consequences are going to be either rewards or regrets, and ultimately, you and I have the opportunity to choose. Now, if we desire to influence our own lives, I don't know about you, I want to influence my own life for good, right? Now, think about this. It's not always easy. You say, well, I want to have a good outcome, therefore, I'm going to make good choices. Well, I want to live long, but it doesn't always mean that I eat broccoli and celery, Sometimes making the right decisions to have the right outcomes, that's the hard part. Why? Because donuts are better than celery. Debate me on that one. You will not win, okay? Now, you have the outcome that you want, but the outcome's dependent upon the sowing of what we're going to sow because the Bible says that's what we're going to reap. And so here in Hosea, God speaks to his people, and he gives them some of the greatest counsel and challenge that you and I need to learn from tonight. So the self-service Christianity subject that we're going to look at for a few minutes is on sowing to yourselves, sowing to yourselves. Now, it's obvious what the Lord's requiring of them, but I don't want to begin at the beginning. I want to begin in the middle, okay? I think it's going to be easy for me to explain this to you tonight by jumping to the outcome. Notice the Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, and here's what I want to pick up, reap in mercy, Reap in mercy. Now, the first thing tonight I want to look at is the consequence of sowing to ourselves. The consequence of sowing to ourselves. Now, obviously, we're looking at a farming analogy. Now, here's what God is challenging to do. He says you need to be more particular about what you're planting because what you're planting in your life is going to have a direct result of what you produce in your life. All right? Now, some of us haven't gotten this down pat as good as we should. Sometimes I'm guilty of that as well. That we scratch our head why we have so much of a certain type of produce in our life, but the produce is often a direct result of what we planted. Now, here's what God is saying He says, I want you to sow to yourselves. Why? Because there's a consequence to what you sow to yourself there is an outcome that you're going to produce in your life that's a direct result of what you planted in your life. Now, as he speaks to his children, Israel had lived recklessly, all right? They had lived recklessly, they had lived carelessly, meaning they had made their choices based on temporary momentary pleasure, all right? Could we say, all say tonight we're guilty of that? that we are all tempted to focus on the here and now and what's going to bring us pleasure. What's the terminology we use in 2022? YOLO, right? Some of you are like, what does that mean? That's, that's, not, the, you know, that's not the yogurt. Uh, the, YOLO means you only live once, right? You only live once. And we think about, well, I want to enjoy this time and today because you only live once. Now, that sounds catchy, and it sounds daring, doesn't it? But it's not true. You live more than once. The Bible's very clear on that. As a matter of fact, you can be making decisions today that you will relive the rest of your life if you're not concerned with the consequence of what you're planting. As a pastor, there's not a day goes by or at least a week that goes by that at some point in my week I don't have a conversation with someone about decisions they're making in the present. All right, and we think about well, I'm going to enjoy it right now in the present. The problem is there's a consequence to what you're planting. What does the Bible say? Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. This is why Paul told the church at Ephesus that we walk circumspectly. We walk circumspectly. What does circumspectly mean? It means watch where you put your feet. Watch where you place your steps. Watch the direction you're going. Why? Because there's an outcome to it. Be careful what you sow because there's a reaping, and the reaping is direct consequence of what we, sow, what we have sown. I'll give you an example. Um, in my probably the last three or four years, uh, I have learned that I can't just eat what I want when I want. Okay, now this is new territory for me. Maybe for some of you, you've been there for a little while, uh, but I used to eat what I wanted, when I wanted. I mean, right before I went to bed, I'd eat a a piece of pizza. Didn't have a problem with that. I'd drink a cup of coffee right before I went to bed. Didn't have a problem with that. Why? Because I enjoyed it, and it didn't bother me later. Well, now I sit there, and I'm in the living room or in the kitchen, and I see some leftover pizza there on the counter, and uh, Brother Mickey, it looks good. I like pizza. And I'm thinking to myself, I would enjoy that right now, but then I begin realizing I'm not going to enjoy it later. When I'm laying there in bed staring at the ceiling and I'm wondering if I'm having a heart attack or not, and I'm having to to creep through the the bedroom to get to the bathroom where I don't turn the lights on and wake up less and find the Tums bottle. You know, there's nothing, there's no sound. You know the sound of Tums tumping out in the bottle, don't you? They they make an an indescribable sound that sounds like nothing else, and you know I have heartburn. And I make my decision now on whether to eat the pizza by how it's going to make me feel later. And I'll be honest with you, I've gotten to the place now in my life where it's not worth it. The consequence of that pepperoni pizza at 9.30, uh, is not worth it at 11.30. So I'm making decisions now based on how I want things to be later. Now this is what God's telling his people. God's telling his people, there is a consequence, so be careful how you sow to yourselves. Someone put it this way, sow a thought and reap an act, sow an act and reap a habit, sow a habit and reap a character, sow a character and you reap a destiny. Now, folks, I'm not sure about destiny, but I do know that there's outcomes and those outcomes come from decisions of what we're sowing right now in our lives. You know, a lot of times we, get, we like to think, well, that's just the way the cards fell for me. No, a lot of what we're going through in our lives is what we have sown. All right? We have sown, and now we're reaping what we have sown. I think about this. Uh, Moses, he, uh, I, I went Moses in Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, the Bible says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, we know that verse. But I want you to think about the tail end of it. He says, choosing rather to suffer. What is that? That's in the present. Moses chose to have momentary displeasure. Why? So that he could reap something more pleasurable in the future. Now, the last part of that verse says this. Rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, think about that word season. That's also a farming terminology, isn't it? It's a season. Do you know sin does have pleasurable seasons? It it does. All right? Have you ever sinned? All right? Some of you are looking like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have. Guilty. By the way, we all have. And for the moment, it's pleasurable. Living in that moment of sin, it is pleasurable. We like it. But watch, sin has a season. That season of pleasure is temporal. But there's also coming a season of payment. There's that season of pleasure. The season of payment. Now, you think about it tonight, the prodigal son, I, I just dare bet you tonight that he enjoyed the time in the far country for a little while, right? He's living it up. He's got money. He's enjoying all the trappings of carnality. He's having a good old time. And then when the money ran out, that season of pleasure was over. Now he's going through the season of payment, and the payment's not pleasurable. What should he have done he should have paid mind and attention to the consequences of sowing to himself. I think tonight we have more say in our life than we realize we do. We think that life is just this random course of destiny, that this was the lot that I was dealt. No, a lot of what we're dealing with is what we dealt ourselves, Because he says here, watch what he says in verse number 13. Ye have plowed wickedness Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou did trust in thy way. You're like, man, I don't like where this road is headed. Who chose the road? He says, thy way. You didn't choose my way. You chose your way. It's like any time that I choose to override Siri, I usually end up being wrong on my GPS. And my wife just kind of enjoys that. You know, that womanhood, Siri and my wife, you know, they stick together. And usually they're right. I mean, there's no way on earth this is going to get me where I'm going. Lo and behold, she's usually right. I end up getting lost or not finding my way to be where I need to be on time. Why? Because I chose my way. You see, the outcome is the consequence of the choices that I made. This is what he's trying to tell them. There are consequences of sowing to yourselves. Why did Joshua say, choose you this day? Choose you this day. Our consequences... Or the reflection of the choices that we made. Choose you this day. It's not fate. We like to use that terminology a lot because, you know, it kind of kicks the responsibility off our shoulders. It was just fate. It wasn't fate. That's like me at 11 o'clock saying it was just fate that I have heartburn. No. You ate pizza at 9.30. All right? That had nothing to do with fate and everything to do with choice. That's what God's telling us tonight. Be careful, the Bible says. Why? God's not going to be mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Folks, we've got to get this thing down pat that God says you can sow to yourselves. That a lot of what we are reaping in our lives. Now, look, don't you walk out of here tonight. Look, if you're looking for a reason to be mad, I'm going to give you one in this message because you're going to say all the tough times in my life are my fault. No, I'm not saying that. I don't think it was Job's fault that he went through the tough time he went through. I think a lot of what we go through is our fault. And we try to blame fate and we try to, uh, to blame destiny. No, it had nothing to do with that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, I just quoted it for you, but let me read it to you. And I want you to hear something very important in the middle that we often overlook. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever. Watch, a man. That means ourself, correct? soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth, watch this, to his flesh. I'm sowing it to my flesh. It's not what God wanted, it's what I wanted. Do you know? One of the things that gets me in trouble more than anything, and I know you won't believe this, but I'll I'll convince you of it. One of the things that gets me in trouble more than anything is my mouth. My mouth gets me in trouble. I open it and say what I want to say when I want to say it. I open it to say how I feel when sometimes I just need to clamp down and let that watchman over my mouth shut the drawbridge doors. And then it's amazing how a little fire this thing between my lips can kindle. I mean, I can go for a half a day and have a bad spirit or, or my wife and I have, have tension between us all because of something that I said. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, I guess it was just fate. We have an argument today. Well, it wasn't fate. It's what came out of my mouth. I chose to sow to my flesh. I chose to do what I wanted and to choose my way, and now I'm reaping the consequence of that. I heard a story years ago about a farmer, and uh, this farmer had a farm on this side of the river, and this farmer had a farm on that side of the river, and uh, they were always arguing who was going to have the biggest biggest corn and the most beans and all of those things. so one night, the farmer could never beat the other farmer. He decided, I'm going to do him in, and he got a big old bag of seeds that were this, uh, this vine that would choke out all of the corn that was on his property. So he got in his boat, and he rowed across the river, and he started s- scattering all of these weed seeds out there in his garden few weeks later boy the vines begin to rise up and choke out his corn and choke out all of his beans and killed everything and lo and behold he won his garden was bigger and he sat back and he relished in his victory several years later the farmer who had sown all the bad seeds fell in love with that farmer's daughter oh she was beautiful and they decided they were going to get married and so they got married and a few years after that her dad died and he inherited that piece of property The old farmer says he spent the rest of his life reaping what he had sown. You see, we act out in our flesh and we say what we want and we do what we want and we go our own way. The Bible says, be not deceived. You know, that's kind of like going and planting something and then praying it doesn't sprout. Look, I'm not saying God can't give you grace and mercy. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I haven't reaped from all that I sown. But I can't just expect the grace of God to constantly overlook the sin that I'm sowing. At some point, I've got to decide, you know what? I believe the word of God says I'm going to reap for what I've sown. And if I don't want to reap from it, guess what? I don't need to plant it. Folks, this is important. As a pastor, one thing I try to challenge our young people, I had some young people in the office this afternoon just visiting for a little while, had some good fellowship with them. Uh, I try to challenge them not to plant something and to sow something in their youth that will follow them throughout their adulthood life, their adult life. I don't know how many parents I've talked to that says, well, there's things I wish I hadn't have done. I try to convince our young people, hey, don't plant that so you don't have to reap it. Regret's tough to live with, isn't it? Regret's regrets tough. How do we get out from that regret? Well, just don't sow it now, and we won't reap it later. I've actually had parents tell me when I was a youth pastor, look, if we don't care, why do you? I had parents tell me that. Look, if we don't care if they do that, why do you? Because as their pastor, uh, I don't want them to sow wild oats and reap a wild harvest. I want them to reap the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the providence of God on their life. And we're trying to make their life a little better than ours, aren't we? So we have to help them understand what? The consequence of sowing to ourselves. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could sow those things in other people's lives for them? Wouldn't that be great? Mom and dad, look, if you got kids, wouldn't it be great if you could sow all of those things in your kid's life for you? No, at some point they have to sow them for themselves. They have to decide the outcome they're going to want. Reminds me of Brother Hub. You remember the Hub? Uh, He was a member at our church and seminary years ago. And uh, Brother Hub had this big old flat area for uh, for a garden every year. And before he planted his garden, he would come over and ask Les and I, all right, how much corn do you eat in a year? Uh, How many beans, how much beans do you eat in a year? And we're like, that's kind of a weird question. You know, as a pastor, I've been asked some weird questions, but that was a weird one. I says, just curious why you want to know. He said, well, there's a part of my property where I plow up. He said, that part is for the preacher. And I plow that up, and I plant that for the preacher. Amen. every year we had fresh corn and beans and all kind of good squash and okra. Man, we had more vegetables than we knew what to do with. It was great. I didn't have to plant any of it. I didn't have to weed it. I didn't have to fertilize it. I didn't have to keep the deer out of it. Sometimes I didn't even have to pick it. It was great. But I hate to tell you, spiritual fruit's not like that. You're going to have to get out there and work at it. I can't plant it for you. You can't plant it for me. Why? Look what the Bible says, verse 12. You've got to choose to sow to yourselves. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of tonight, just be honest with you? I'm afraid a lot of us are praying for something that we've never cared enough about to plant. We want something in our life, in our home, and in our children that we've never cared enough about to plant. All right, we wanted them to be athletes, and man, we had them at ball practice, and we had them watching videos on the swing, and how to be this, and that, and the other. We wanted that, and so we invested in that, and that, yet we pray for our kids. God, use my kid in, in, in your will, and your plan. What did we do to invest in that? We pray for things in our children's lives. We pray for things in our marriages. You know, this time of the year, I know some of you, you're watching the Hallmark Channel. You know, you know that's not real, Right? All right, I'm just throwing that out there, okay? Some of you husbands are like, man, the bar's been set. Look, ladies, they're just actors, okay? They don't even care about that woman that they're married to on the show, all right? They may even despise them, all right? So guys, no pressure on you, all right? Hallmark Channel is not the bar, all right? The word of God is the bar of who we need to be. But there's things you want in your home, right? There's fruit you want in your home. There's relationship. Hey, I want a greater relationship with my wife than I have right now. I want to grow closer to her. I want to love her more. Can I tell you, those fruits are not going to pop up by accident. At some point, you've got to realize that those fruits are the results of what we're sowing right now. And if we want those fruits, we're going to have to put the work into it. We can't just pray this fruit into existence. At some point, we've got to do some work for that. So number one tonight, on sowing to ourselves, first see the consequence of sowing to ourselves. But then notice the beginning of verse number 12. Let's go back to that. With that consequence in mind, I I want you to see the second point, and that's the command in sowing to ourselves. What's the command? Well, the consequence is we're going to reap All right, what's the command? Well, he says in verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Now, we don't have to read between the lines to see the seed, do we? Notice, he just says it right there. It's righteousness. So here's what God's doing. He's given us a divine prescription for desired produce, okay? A divine prescription. God says, if you want this in your life, here's the seed you're going to have to plant. By the way, I take God's word for it tonight. If God gives us the seeds that are going to produce the produce, I would just trust God that that's how it's going to be. Now, here's the sad thing. The sad thing is tonight, we are just like the people in Hosea. We will take the world's advice, we will go, listen, we will go to books a million and get a number one bestseller on the home and the family and how to raise our children before we take up the very word of God who instituted the home and who created that child. Think about that. We will take the word of everybody else on how to have good kids and how to have a good home when God says, hey, I know exactly the seeds you need to plant to have the produce that you desire to have. Now, watch what he says here. The command in sowing to ourselves is righteousness. Now, this is what's amazing. As I was studying this out, you know, we're looking at what we can do for ourselves. Do you realize that God is saying that righteousness is truly in our best interest? Living righteously according to the will of the word of God is truly in our best interest. That's how you bless yourself. You know, I've heard some people sneeze every once in a while and they'll go, bless me. That's not one that I hear often, but hey, if you can do it, go for it. You know, I need all the blessings I can get, whether they come from you or from myself. But righteousness is how you bless yourself. So how do you know that? Well, listen to what Genesis 2.17 said right there at the beginning of all mankind. The Bible says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely not, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It was in their best interest to live righteously. Why? Because if they didn't live righteously, they were going to what? They were going to die. So here's what God is saying to Adam and Eve. Live righteously. Why? It's in your best interest. I hate to say this, I think oftentimes we curse our own selves by living contrary to the word of God. You're thinking, well, that sounds kind of serious. Somebody putting a curse on somebody. Well, I want you to think about it this way. Sometimes we have the wrong mindset of righteousness. We look at righteousness and living righteously as something we've got to do for God, right? I've got to do right. You know, that's what we think of it. You know, well, I've got to go to church today. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray today. These are things we've got to do for God. Number one is things we get to do for God. Righteousness is a privilege we get to do. Why is it a privilege? Because before Jesus, we couldn't. We were incapable of righteousness. We couldn't live righteously. We didn't have a walk with God. We were separated from him. And because of what Jesus did, watch, we have his righteousness and we get to live righteously. I get to say no to sin. I get to come out from among them and be severed. So number one, it's something I get to do. But number two, watch, it's not just for God. Man, when you live righteously, you're doing yourself a favor. If Adam and Eve had just lived righteously, they'd have done themselves a huge favor. By the way, look what grew from that one seed they, they sowed. When they sowed that, boy, sin entered into the world, and we're all in trouble. Deuteronomy 11, we remember this verse often, but watch this in the context of Hosea. Deuteronomy 11:26. 26, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day. He says, I, you know, there was Mount Evil and Gerizim that were there. He says, I set before you a blessing and a curse. What was he letting them do? Choose. I'm going to let you choose. A blessing if you obey, a curse if you don't obey. He let them choose what they were going to sow. Can I tell you, it's the same God and you and I have the same choice. God says, I want you to sow to yourselves in righteousness. Why? Well, look at verse 13 again. Look at the alternative. You've plowed wickedness. You've reaped iniquity. I don't think there's a soul in here tonight who doesn't have a story of when you have sown the wrong thing and what you got from it. And we know that verse 13 is as true as the day is long. You plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. I mean, have you ever been amazed at how far sin will go? Have you ever been amazed at how far, maybe not reading your Bible one morning or spending time in prayer or or maybe just a crossword with someone, maybe you whispered a word of gossip in the air, it wasn't that big of a deal, and all of a sudden it caught fire. Next thing you know, there's a raging inferno of iniquity in your life, turmoil in your life. We all know tonight the result, verse 13. That's why he says in verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Hey, choose to bless yourself. You're thinking, well, I wish God would bless me. Who doesn't, right? I wish God would bless me like he blesses them. Can I just ask you an honest question, not accusing you, because I know I've been on both sides of this fence too. What do you sowing? I just get so tired of tomatoes coming up in my yard. Random question. Are you planting tomato seeds? Just just asking. Hypothetically. I just don't know why I got watermelons all over my yard. Could it be that you got watermelon seeds somewhere out there in your yard? Could it be? Now, folks, I'm not saying you're not going to have a a, a, a weed pop up from time to time. But I think it's good that we examine ourselves every once in a while to make sure we're not sowing to ourselves iniquity. What does verse 13 say? It goes on to say, ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way. I heard this said once that God never alters the robe of righteousness to fit man, but the man to fit the robe. What would you think about that for a second? God's not going to change his righteousness to fit us. That means it's going to require us to change to fit his righteousness. By the way, that's why you have so many folks. We church shop, we we Bible shop, we pastor shop. Why? Because we're looking for a righteousness that fits us. Truth. I love you, I'm telling you the truth. Well, you know what? I just that doesn't fit my lifestyle. No, the question is does my lifestyle fit this book? That's all that's going to matter. That, hey, that I took my life and I altered my life to to, to match up and to line up to God's righteousness. Because I'll tell you, watch, the righteousness of his word here is going to be the righteousness of his word there. He just kind of gave us the answers to the test long before we took the test. Several years ago, I was at winter retreat in central Hattiesburg was coming. This was long before we moved here. Brother Miller called and he says, hey, would you preach for me on a Wednesday night? I said, I'd be glad to. You recall, I didn't bring a suit. Look, at camp, I just, you know, kind of wear a polo and slacks. I don't wear a suit to preach in uh, to the teenagers. And uh, so we had to go to, come to Hattiesburg and buy a suit. My wife says, you have a blue one, you have a light blue one, you have a gray one, you have a black one, why don't you get a khaki one? So we decided to get a khaki suit. And so we went to Belk and we're looking through the racks and they only had one khaki suit that was even close to my size. And, uh, and time was getting short, it was getting close to Wednesday night, and I had to be here to preach at 7 o'clock. And so I bought the suit, and it was about two sizes too small. And I told Leslie, I said, I'm just going to inhale. And I did. You had no clue, man. If that button would have popped, somebody would have lost an eyeball that night. I preached a message on coffee, if you remember, about hot coffee Mississippi. I believe that was the night I preached that here, man, years and years ago. I remember when I bought that suit, there was not time to change the suit. It was the only suit close to my size in that color. I was going to have to make myself fit it, and I did. I inhaled. <gasps> now, that was, I haven't worn that suit in years because I decided not to fit the suit anymore. It was too constricting. I'm like, no, I just, you know, now I, inhaling wouldn't even do it. You know, if, if I put that suit on today, I'd preach about five minutes and fall over blue face. I just, I wouldn't survive that. Watch, I decided I was tired of trying to fit into that suit. And I just got rid of it. That's what we do with God's righteousness. God says, okay, here's the robe of righteousness. This is what you need to be. This is what your family needs to be. This is how we raise our children. After a while, we're like, you know what? I'm tired of trying to fit that suit. And we just walk away from all of it. But I promise you, you're only walking away from it temporally. God, in his grace, may bring you back in this lifetime, but I assure you there's coming a day he's going to bring you back to his righteousness. When we stand before God, do you know what he's going to judge us in? His righteousness. He's not going to judge us in our way. Well, God, this is what I thought. This is how I felt. No, no, no. He said, you messed up in verse 13 when you trusted in thy way. That's when we mess up. Well, God, that, you know, I've got these new pants. Well, speaking of suit, I love these new ones. They stretch. They got that that waistband that hides in itself. Come on, guys, you you know you'll wear them too. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, one day you'll see. They're great, they expand to fit me. I hate to tell you, this is not going to expand to fit you. We've got to decide. We're going to conform to it. And living righteously according to his way, not our way. Listen, that's the command to sow to ourselves. God says you have a choice in that. Our problem is tonight, I believe this with all of my heart, we want an altered life without an altered lifestyle. Think about it. You want an altered life, but we, won't, we don't want an altered lifestyle. God, I'm tired of the consequences, but I'm not willing to alter my life that's going to change the consequences. Well, I hate to tell you, you keep planting tomatoes, you're going to keep getting tomatoes. At some point, you've got to decide, I'm going to alter my life now so I can alter alter my lifestyle and have different consequences later. That's the consequences that goes with the command of sowing to ourselves. Paul tried to convince the Philippians of that, Philippians chapter 1. Listen to what he says, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Notice what he said there the fruits of righteousness righteousness produces fruit and oh its fruit we want in our lives i mean i'll tell you the blessings of god that come from being obedient to the will of god watch you may not you may not have everything you want you may not have everything the way you like it but oh having god's hand on your home knowing that as in job's case he's lived upright Job was living righteously. What was one of the fruits of that? It was a hedge about his home. You know, your home, your home may not be much, but oh, what a blessing it'd be to have a home inside God's hedge. Priceless, priceless. I remember when um, uh, mom and dad, uh, dad left his church, and uh, on good terms, dad left his church, and we moved the five of us into that eighteen-foot camper. It was like a 1970s model. It was not pretty. The camper that Leslie and I lived in was kind of nice. This one was not pretty. It was one of those where you folded down the, the the table for it to be a bed. And everybody was sleeping literally in the same room. There were five of us. My brother was up there in the little loft, his 18-foot camper, and I slept, I guess, on the couch. My sister was somewhere, and my mom and dad were somewhere in there too. And man, we're living in this little camper. And we're reminiscing about the four-bedroom house that we just moved out of. You know, you're talking about scaling down? Yeah, scaling down. I mean, the toilet was literally in the shower there of a little camper we were living in. But can I tell you, that camper may not have been as nice as the house, but that camper was smack dab in the middle of the hedge of the will of God. Oh, I would rather live in a camper having the blessings of God's hand because of being obedient to his will than a four-bedroom home out of God's reach. I believe tonight a lot of us are going to have to make a decision in our life. The outcome do we want? What do we want? The Bible says you've got to get to the place where you sow in righteousness. Now, let me give you this before I give you the last point. I want you to see what the fruit was. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in what? Mercy. Quite interesting there. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is when God withholds something bad that we do deserve. That's what mercy is. By the way, I'm thankful for mercy. It's a lot that I've deserved in my life. God has withheld that. So wait a minute. God says, if I want the fruit of mercy and I want to reap mercy, what do I have to sow? Righteousness. Righteousness. By the way, what was Hosea all about? Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. How did they find mercy? Watch. They found mercy... By doing the opposite of what they were doing to receive judgment. God says, if you want me to withhold the judgment that's coming, you've got to sow righteousness. That's how we have mercy. Now, can I ask you, are you full up on mercy or do you need a little bit? Could you use a little bit extra? Before I came over here to preach tonight, I knelt down by my chair and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I I always need mercy. I'm never at the place where God, no, you can pass, I'm good, go give that to somebody else. I always need mercy. How do we get more mercy? How do we reap mercy through sowing righteousness? Isn't that what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says? That when we turn from our wicked ways, God hears from heaven, forgives our sin, and heals our land. What does he do? He holds back the judgment because he recognizes righteousness. Righteousness. I'll tell you something tonight. Oh, it would change this country if God's people just took God at his word and decided we're going to sow righteousness. We need mercy. Oh, we need mercy. I expected there was going to be at least a marginal turn back toward some type of common sense and decency in our last election. And, and yet, in some places, we doubled down on immorality. some with the referendums that were on the ballot across this country, uh, we actually upped our game in some of our immorality in this country. I'm afraid we're not going to change this country there. The only hope is the mercy of God. How do we have mercy? Watch what it says. Verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. It's so hard for us to keep sowing iniquity and expect God to keep being merciful. Righteousness is the key to mercy. There are times I fail God miserably and God has every right to unleash his judgment on my life. As a loving father, he chastens every son that he loves. I deserve the chastening of hand of God in my life so much more than I receive. Why doesn't God just zap me out of here? He's merciful. I promise you tomorrow, I'm going to need more mercy. I have no clue why, but I assure you, me knowing me, I'm going to need mercy. How do I get mercy? Well, the Bible says, I sow in righteousness. Proverbs 21, 21, he that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life. Notice righteousness and mercy are on the same road. You pursue righteousness, watch, you pursue righteousness, you're going to find mercy. Kind of like Highway 49. You get on Highway 49, you're going to find Hattiesburg, and after a while, you're going to find Wiggins, and you keep on going, you're going to find all of those little cities all the way down to Gulfport. Why? Because you're on that road. You get on the road of righteousness, you're going to find mercy, and I promise you, you need mercy. Why? Because of the sins we do commit, and because of the sins we omit. Sin is not just doing the wrong, it's not doing the right. And I need mercy. God, have mercy on me for failing you today and what I should have done that I didn't do. How do we find mercy? We sow in righteousness. They're all on the same road. So, what does he say? I want you to do to yourselves for yourselves. I want you to sow in righteousness. That is the command. But then finally, here comes the hard part. I'll give you this. The Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your, notice that, you're doing this for yourself, fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and reign righteousness upon you. Notice the hard part here. He says, I want you to break up your fallow ground, that is your dormant, uncultivated ground. This is number three, the condition in sowing to ourselves. The condition. You say, well, I want to reap good things. Hey, amen, great. Wouldn't it be great if desire was enough, that I desire to be fruitful. Therefore, because I desire it, it's going to happen. If that was the case, we'd all be fruitful, wouldn't we? We'd have enough to spare, but desire is not enough. At some point, in order to have what we don't have, we're going to have to do what we haven't been doing. That's what he's telling them. If you want to have this outcome, you're going to have to do something you hadn't been doing. That's why you're breaking up your fallow ground. Here's the amazing part. Fallow is ground that you've overlooked, or maybe you've just decided to pass over. He says, I want you to break that up. That area that you've avoided, that's fallow ground. I noticed out here on our property, uh, on the south uh, lawn down there, uh, if you get toward the bottom, there's an area that's always wet, and when they're cutting the grass, they can't get the mowers down there because the mowers would get stuck, and so they avoid that area. And boy, when it's raining really good here, sometimes even in December, it grows, and that area grows. And you can tell that area's been avoided. It's been passed over, and it's sitting idle. All the weeds and all of that's growing up, it has been fallow. It hasn't been tended to. Sooner or later, they'll come along with the highway department, those big old bush hogs, and they'll mow it down. They'll finally address what they have been neglecting. This is what God's telling his people. He says, the reason you're on your way toward judgment is because you've been avoiding the areas that I tell you, you need to be breaking up. And oh, I believe with all my heart tonight, we as the people of God, we're missing out. We're all missing out on blessings of God, the hand of God, the providence, the direction of God, because there's things in our life that we know that God wants us to tend to, and yet we pass over them. You know, we all have hobby horses, don't we? We all have hobby horses. We all have areas of biblical interest that we like. You know, Some people like prophecy. Some people like studying the home. Uh, some people like studying areas for young people. And we all have our areas of study that we enjoy. But then I think we probably all would admit tonight we have areas we like to avoid too, don't we? Areas of God's will, God's way in our life that, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to tend to that right now. I believe it's those areas of fallow ground that God calls us to break up. God says you can't leave that idol. You can't keep ignoring that. Do you know why America's in the shape we're in? Because we're ignoring the areas that matter to God. God's not interested in our military or economics. God's interested in righteousness. America's ignoring that right now. We have no mind for righteousness. We have no desire to live by the will and the word of God. We're ignoring that. And God says that's why you're headed where you're headed. At some point, you're going to have to decide, you know, I'm going to give heed to what God says matters to him. He says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up that fallow ground. It's amazing how easy it is for all of us tonight to get comfortable ignoring areas that God says need to be cultivated. Now, here's what's amazing. I don't know what they are in your life. You may not know what they are in my life. But I guarantee you, every person in this room tonight, there's areas of our heart and our life that aren't cultivated that God wants us to cultivate them. God says, I want you to break that up. You've been kind of ignoring that. You don't want to have anything to do with that right now. Or or, or maybe it's a hot topic issue. Or maybe it's something in your past that you don't even want to think about and deal with. God says, break it up. Break it up. There's areas of your heart and your life that need tending to tonight. And God says, I want to work. Hey, you got to get that right. you got to be willing tonight to go to those areas that are sitting idle. And maybe we've avoided for far, far too long. Maybe it's a sin tonight. Maybe it's a private sin no one else knows about. Uh, Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe tonight there's immorality. I don't know, folks. We're all capable of it. If a man after God's own heart could steal a woman and murder her husband, what are you and I capable of? We all have areas of maybe we don't want to tend to. God says you need to break that up. That's something you can do for yourself. You say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I want God's blessings on my home, so I'm going to work extra hard. I promise you, if we worked as hard spiritually as we do physically, our families would be so much more blessed. Our kids don't need the newest cell phone, I promise you. Listen, they don't need the newest shoes, I promise you. But they do need is a mom and dad who are sowing to themselves, a grandma or grandpa sowing to themselves righteousness, righteousness. I believe tonight God was trying to get a message to his people, I know it. He sent his messenger to say in verse 12, you need to sow to yourselves in righteousness. Why? So that you can reap in mercy. You ever need some mercy in your home? need mercy for your children, mercy for your marriage? There's mercy to be had. He says, but you've got to be willing to sow in righteousness. I've listened to Dave Ramsey for years. Don't always uh, adhere to what I hear, but I've listened to him for years. I remember as a young man listening to him talk about how to one day be able to slow down and enjoy life. He says, you've got to live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. That's our problem. We don't want to live like no one else today. We want to be just like everybody else today, and that's why we're going to be just like everybody else tomorrow. Why don't we decide tonight, I don't want to be like everybody else. I I want God's hand on my home. I, I want God's blessings on my home. I want to have the fruit of God in my home. So you know what? I don't care if nobody else does it. I'm going to sow to myself in righteousness so that I might reap and reap in mercy tonight. God says, this is what we need to do for ourselves. There's a consequence we're going to reap. There's a command we've got to sow. And that condition is I'm willing to go into the areas that I've left dormant for far too long. Tonight our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stop right there. Our heads are